0: Welcome to Tales from the Mooseverse. We're glad to have you here for our 50th episode. My name is Ian. Last time, Toka the Dragon told Montgomery the Moose and friends that she believed they are putting the universe at risk by traveling through time and using magic without much thought for consequences. And right after saying that, Toka herself accidentally erased pizza from existence. She left the group to face her family and tell them what she'd done. Meanwhile, Montgomery the Moose and Ringo have their own plans to restore things to how they should be. Montgomery the Moose's plan involved going to the Mayan era, and Ringo's was to come back to the present day and bring all the world's mice to New York City's Central Park. As for why, who knows? Let's find out what happens next. As always, stay tuned after the story for a way you can join in. So now, here's today's Tale from the Mooseverse. The decisions were made, and goodbyes were underway. As hard as it was for Montgomery the Mouse to separate from his best friend, if Ringo was bringing the entire world's population of mice to one location, he felt he needed to be there too. Roger the Raccoon and Phoebe and Tamar also decided to go with the Central Park crew, aware that they could blend in well in that setting, and happy to have a chance to see Walter and Wheezy again after so long. So, in a multicolored glow, they were gone. With some reluctance on Montgomery the Moose's behalf to leave behind Toka to face her family, the remaining friends, Montgomery the Moose and his mom, Ruth, Fred, Bobby, Alamina, and Mr. Toucan, said goodbye to 642 BCE and disappeared in a glow of their own. But what they saw when they arrived confused them. After all, they had intended to jump through time, but to stay in what we now know as Mexico. So they expected the sun to be pounding down, the vegetation to be lush, and the people to be... infrequent. Instead, the sun was shining through the clear blue sky, but in calming, cooler air. The vegetation was mostly olive trees and grapevines, but they grew very deliberately between timber and stucco and brick buildings with red tile roofs. And there were certainly people about. In fact, it seemed they'd arrived in a town plaza of some kind, with market stalls around the edges. To one side, dozens of workers were adding the finishing touches to a dramatic building that flanked the plaza with two curved wings, meeting at a tall archway and clock tower in the middle. Mamma mia! shouted a larger man, dropping the basket of fish he'd been carrying. "'A shouted a young woman, running to her child, who was happily skipping towards the group of time-travelers unaware of their presence. "'Quesadilla!' Fred exclaimed. Nothing else seemed to fit the confusion he was feeling, and Walter's expression popped out before he had a chance to think about it. Montgomery the Moose motioned with his head, and the group was quickly invisible. The people around them went about their day as if they had forgotten entirely about the enormous spaceship and the strange group of creatures they had seen just moments ago. The larger man shook his head as if trying to remember what he was doing and picked up the basket of fish to keep going. When the group felt safe again, they ran up Alamina's ramp into the cabin and everyone looked at Montgomery the Moose, who was baffled. ''What happened?'' Fred blurted out. ''Where are we?'' Bobby exclaimed. ''When are we?'' Mr. Toucan added. Montgomery the Moose shook his head in an attempt to loosen up his confusion. Alamina calmly made an announcement. Based on the climate, the buildings, the visual cues, the language, and the location of the stars, isn't it daytime, some of them thought before remembering Alamina probably saw things differently than them? It appears we are in Italy, sometime in the late 18th century. Italy? Fred barked. Naples, to be exact, Alamina added, as if information was still coming in, giving her more accuracy. Is this where the Mayans lived? Mr. Toucan asked Montgomery the Moose innocently. No, Alamina answered as glibly as a computer can. This is where Italians live. Ah, here we go. It's 1792, September 13th. We are in what is known in modern times as Piazza Dante. Pizza al Dante? Mr. Toucan asked. Piazza Dante. It was named after the 13th and 14th century poet, writer, and philosopher Dante Alighieri, often referred to only as Dante. The group shrugged. They neither knew nor particularly cared. Alamina thought continuing might jog their memory. He wrote The Divine Comedy? The preeminent work in Italian literature? One of the greatest written works in history? The group shrugged again, but Alamina wasn't deterred. He basically created the modern Italian language? Come on, you must know. Dante's Inferno. He's in where? Fred asked. Is he close by? "'No,' Alamina responded with frustration. "'He died in 1321. "'I'm talking about the three parts of the Divine Comedy. "'Inferno, Purgatorio, Paradiso. "'It's about a human soul seeing and rejecting their own past sins "'on a journey to the Divine.' "'Uh,' Mr. Toucan responded for the group. "'You know none of us are human, right?' "'Yes, well, okay,' Alamina replied, "'and metaphorically walked off in a huff, "'even though she was a spaceship "'and they were all standing inside her cabin.' So, why'd you bring us here? Fred demanded of Montgomery. I don't know, Montgomery replied, still confused. I think I might, Bruce said gently, with a slight smile. Montgomery glanced at her with a mixture of curiosity and embarrassment, and Ruth's smile widened as she made eye contact with her son. Alamina? she asked. The only response was grumbled words that they couldn't make out, and the group could tell that if Alamina had arms, she would definitely have them crossed right now. Alamina, Ruth tried again, could you let us know from your records, was there anything noteworthy that was created here around this time in history? Oh, now you'd like some information? Because before you didn't seem very interested. Ruth chose not to respond, and indicated to the others that they shouldn't either. Alamina paused for a moment. Okay, well, yes, something was created close to here, just down a side street. Exact dates aren't clear, but created sometime recently was, or would have been... The first food known as pizza. The group's eyes opened wide. Ruth smiled at Montgomery. Of course, Fred uttered. Yep, that fits, Mr. Toucan agreed. Well, I still don't know what's going on, Bobby added. We're here to fix pizza, Fred informed him. Montgomery the Moose remained puzzled. What? But, he started, without knowing how to continue, I wanted to take us to the Mayan era. The group looked at him with a mischievous smile. What about Toka? Fred asked. Well, of course I wanted to help Toka. Being with her when she erased pizza, I mean, I knew exactly how that felt. It was like my heart sank the moment it happened. My stomach hurt. All I wanted to do was help her fix it. His voice trailed off. But chocolate came before pizza, right? And if what she said is right about the butterfly effect... No, remember? Bobby added unhelpfully. Roger said there weren't any butterflies on those pizzas. That's one thing I do remember. The group shook their heads. So I figured we need to go to the Mayan era first. What about Suarana? Mr. Toucan asked. Honestly, I think we should all forget about Suarana, Fred replied, and the group nodded in agreement. Okay, so you want to fix chocolate first? Ruth asked. Let's do it. Let's go back to the Mayan era. This felt like a challenge. Okay, Montgomery said, closing his eyes to send them back in time. A glow appeared and swallowed them up, only it didn't work. They didn't go anywhere at all. They were still in Piazza Dante on September 13th, 1792. Hmm, he said, and tried again. Sure enough, when this glow subsided, they could still see the same buildings and market stalls through Alamina's cockpit. Montgomery remained confused. This doesn't make any sense, he said finally. But there are other guardians in this time, just like in the Olmec time, right? Fred asked. Yeah, the dragons we know, but that's not it. It feels different somehow, like it's coming from me. I wonder, Ruth began, if there might be some reason you don't want to fix chocolate. What do you mean? Well, I don't know. What comes to mind when I ask that? Montgomery shook his head with his eyes closed like there was a lot in there he was trying to sort through and shaking it might just organize it all better. The group waited patiently until he was ready to talk. It's like I wanted to want to take us to the Mayan era, but more than that, I wanted to help her, Toka. It's not a good feeling to erase something from existence, you know. Not like she'd ever had pizza or even really knew what it was, but to alter the whole history of the world... To mess up that bad? I've done that, and it's a lot. I just... He looked at the group. They had never had that experience, but their eyes showed empathy. And do you remember, he started again, when Alamina talked through the whole history of chocolate? I mean, Fred replied, hoping he was summarizing for the group. Bits and pieces. There was a lot in there, and there were bits I didn't understand. The rest of the group nodded. Their experience was similar. Yeah, there were bits I didn't understand either, Montgomery continued. I got all the stuff about the Olmecs and the Mayans and how chocolate started as a drink and then people started making it into solid bars like we have now, had before, and all the ways chocolate stimulates your brain and your pleasure centers and all of that. I mean, I didn't understand all of that at first, but every time I spend time with magic, I understand more. And alamine is an amazing source of information. Alamina, listening to this all, felt very proud. Somebody had been listening, and appreciated her. But there are some parts of the history that I still don't know how to think about, he continued. He looked at the group's curious faces, his mother's in particular. Well, I think at this point most of you had stopped listening, but Alamina mentioned that between the 1500s and the 1900s, the time we're in now, I guess, millions of people, human people, living creatures were enslaved and forced to work long hours for many years picking cacao beans and sugar cane just to make chocolate. Like, chocolate was so good that people made that more important than actual lives. The group was deep in thought and looked away from each other, all except Ruth, who realized what was happening and smiled with pride at her son. And maybe those people are all being enslaved for something else now. I mean, maybe that's just something that humans do treat each other that way and make some things more important than people's lives. And I love chocolate, but that's all too much for me to think about. So, he continued, I think, I think the truth is I could restore chocolate, but I'm not ready to do that. And I know I'm not going to make a choice that puts people into slavery. If it's a choice between restoring chocolate and helping my friend, I'm going to help my friend every time. Ruth leaned in to nuzzle with her son, a tear in her eye. After a few moments of silence, she whispered in his ear, I couldn't be prouder of you, my son. The group was in awe and took a moment to take it all in. But, Fred said finally, I don't understand. You tried fixing chocolate before you knew about all that history, and you couldn't do it then. That was when he doubted himself, when he worried about making things worse, Ruth replied. Think about it. he just erased one of his favorite things from existence without meaning to. It's no wonder his mind stopped him from trying to fix it. But what about the plan Magic gave you when the three of you were doing that weird thing you were doing right before we came here? Fred asked. Well, who knows, Montgomery replied. Maybe that will all still happen. Magic is amazing, but it's pretty terrible at communicating, he added with a laugh. So, we forget about chocolate? Fred asked eventually. No, Montgomery replied, we don't forget. We just change priorities. We help Toka and help Ringo. If I know my son, Ruth added, chocolate will return. It will, Montgomery added, somehow, someday. Okay, the group agreed and gave their own smiles while tearing up a little. Fred, for the first time since Madagascar, changed form in the midst of his emotions, turning briefly to a dog made up entirely of proud and happy tears. As much as they were able to in their diverse shapes and sizes, the group hugged. So now let's fix pizza, Montgomery nodded. For toka, Mr. Toucan exclaimed. For toka, the group cheered, all except Bobby, who whispered afterwards, Remind me, who's Toka again? One explanation later, Montgomery led the group of creatures down Alamina's ramp and up a nearby alley, via Port Alba, between high walls that stretched above their heads on each side. Mr. Toucan swooped above them, enjoying the fresh air. Montgomery kept a bubble of invisibility around them, but Mr. Toucan, in his joyful exuberance, kept popping out of the bubble, causing great interest for the other local birds. After a couple of minutes of walking, Montgomery announced, this is it, and they stopped in front of a restaurant of some kind. Mr. Toucan landed by crashing on a wooden table outside the restaurant, knocking over a candle and a flagon of water which doused the flame. A few groups of people sitting at tables in the open storefront, oblivious to the creatures just a few feet from them, decided it must be windier outside than they thought. But despite the chaos, Mr. Toucan displayed more grace and skill than when they first got to know him in the Realm of Dragons. See, Mr. Toucan announced proudly, I'm getting better, right? He held up his wings with excitement and then squawked in pain. So what is this place? Fred asked. This, Montgomery replied, is Pizzeria Portalba. Alba. I mean, in our time, it's known as Antica Pizzeria Portalba, Alba, but Antica means ancient, and now it's not ancient. They looked at the sign. None of them read Italian, but they were pretty sure it said something completely different. In fact, they were right. It said Osteria Port Alba. Montgomery felt like he needed to say more to impress them. This, he said excitedly, is where pizza was first created, they think. The group looked at the tables of people. The food in front of them was a selection of breads, cheese, salad, pasta and definitely no pizza. Or at least, he continued, it was before the whole no more pizza thing. Ah, don't say that, Fred shouted. Please stop saying the whole no more thing. Bad things happen. No, it's okay, Montgomery replied. I can do this. Watch. Montgomery closed his eyes, lifted his head, and took a deep breath. The air around the group went still and silent. They hadn't realized how many birds had been chirping until they stopped. The group didn't know exactly what Montgomery was doing. In truth, he didn't know fully either. He realized that by himself he couldn't do what he wanted to, but he connected through time and space with both Ringo in the future and Toka in the past. Together, the three guardians created, or rather, they got out of the way and magic restored. The paved ground around Montgomery rippled like he was a stone landing in a pond. The ripples expanded and expanded, extending past them to the restaurant, where they saw the first visible changes. But before that, they heard noise, laughter, joy, and busyness. People huddled in groups around tables. There were more workers. The restaurant itself had more color, brighter paint on the walls. The sign changed. It now read, Pizzeria Port Alba. And of course, the biggest change, as they saw on so many tables, pizza. Pizza was restored. You did it, the group cheered. I can't believe you did it, but you did. And once again, the group hugged and celebrated. Montgomery and Ruth looked at each other and cried. You, my son, wow. Thank you, Mom, for everything. They nuzzled and enjoyed the group's celebration as the world around them, oblivious to the changes it had been through, went on as normal. Eventually, the group of friends started to drift away from Pizzeria Port Alba, starting back down the alley towards Piazza, whatever it was called, and Alamina. Does she know? Ruth quietly asked Montgomery. Toka? He paused a step, stared into space, and replied just as quietly and with a smile, Yes, she knows. Now to get back together with our friends in Central Park, right? Fred asked. Wait, before we go... Bobby chimed in loudly, and the group stopped walking. I mean, I know I don't know much about what's been going on recently, but I am an explorer of worlds. Can we at least try some of the pizza from the first pizza restaurant? Montgomery and Ruth looked at each other for a moment before Montgomery turned to face the group. Yes, I think we've earned a celebration. So Montgomery the Moose closed his eyes, and the whole group, including Alamina, who Montgomery brought to join them, were given magical human forms for the evening. Dressed in appropriate attire, no one batted an eye at this group of six men and women who spent the next couple of hours talking, laughing, sharing stories and jokes, and celebrating their choices while eating the best-tasting pizza they'd had in thousands of years. To be continued. Thanks so much for listening to our 50th episode. If you've missed any along the way, you can catch up on all the usual podcast platforms or on mooseiverse.com or get audiobooks of Seasons 1 and 2 through our Patreon program. Now we'd love to hear your stories. While this was all happening in 18th century Italy, what's going on with Toka as she goes back to her family? And what's going on in the 21st century in Central Park? Maybe tell us a story about what the frogs of Central Park, Walter and Wheezy, have been up to since we last saw them at the end of Season 3. Montgomery talked about how bad it feels to mess something up, and to watch a friend mess something up, too. You might like to write a story about a time you messed something up, or saw a good friend of yours do it. How did that feel? What happened next? Send us your stories. We'll include some on our website, mooseverse.com, and we may even include a snippet on future episodes of the podcast. Email yours or any other comments or questions you have about Tales from the Mooseverse to hello at mooseverse.com. Find out about our upcoming StoryLab online writing classes for kids on outschool.com or on our own website, mooseverse.com. Mooseverse.com is also where you can sign up for our regular newsletter, including writing tips and all the latest Tales from the Mooseverse news. As always, we're looking forward to reading your stories. After all, the stories we tell and the stories you tell are all part of the Mooseverse. Thanks for listening. See you next time.